If you want to open up your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to wrap up a series today. But as you're turning to Matthew chapter 5, I want you to hop in your time machine. How many of you all got a time machine? I want, to, I want to take a ride in your time machine eventually. There's some people I want to meet, some conversations I want to have. But uh, today I want you to jump in your time machine for a second and uh, go back to September 9th, 2001. And if you have the capacity in your time machine to actually transport locations to, make yourself over to New York City. And um, I want you to think that it's Sunday right before September 11th. If you were the only Christian that would cross paths with a man or a woman who will be working in the Trade Center on the 11th, Tuesday, and this is the only moment, Sunday, the 9th, the only opportunity you have, maybe you're having lunch, maybe you're grabbing a cup of coffee, you're catching up with a friend that's been a long time since you guys have connected, maybe you guys are, are friends and, and brothers and sisters in the faith going to the same church, maybe if you encounter them on the street and the Lord just impressed them upon your heart, go back in time. It's the 9th. September 11th, Tuesday is coming. Let me ask you, what would you preach to them in that moment? This question has been consuming me these last several weeks. I've been mulling this over again and again, and it kind of started with going through um, Father's Day and thinking about Noah and how Noah got his whole family on that ark. This, this question has been kind of, you know, making it more real to our contemporary times. Yes, there's no big rain coming, an ark coming. But if we were on September 9th, 2001, we have the opportunity to preach and share the gospel. What gospel will we be preaching to those men and women who will go in the World Trade Center on September 11th? You know, are you preaching to them the prosperity gospel? Is your message going to be the message of affirming care? Are you going to give them the politically correct word? Are you going to, you know, talk to them how Jesus wants their life to be abundant here and in the future? And Jesus is all about you coming into the kingdom and experiencing the blessings of God and being all taken care of, padded, insulated, and blessed beyond measure. Woohoo, sign me up. Is that the message you're giving them? Is that what they most need in this moment? How are you going to serve your brother, your sister? And I'm not saying like, okay, you're going to tell them, hey, call out us of work on Tuesday. You know, call in sick this I, I think you, you want to take a vacation this week. I'm not saying that. What message from this book do you want to give them? This, this has been consuming me. And I, I don't have much to share with you this morning. I just want to put a splinter in your brain. How many of you say, I, I, I want to, I you know, mull this over? I need to mull. Go ahead, turn, turn to your neighbor and say, I, I got a message for you. Th this is for me. It is for you. What would you say? What should we say? 
How many of us are going to be compelled in this moment to say the politically correct thing, to say the affirming thing, to say the tolerant thing, to say whatever it is that we want to say to massage so that we will not be canceled? Are we going to be influenced by wanting to be liked, favored, respected? Are we going to allow the words that come out of our lips to be words curated so that we could be accepted? If that's the case, I shudder to think, how many right now in this moment are so upset and furious because there were Christians that crossed their path that were more concerned about being politically correct and accepted and liked and uncanceled that they didn't share truth. Let me let the cat out of the bag and remove one of the possible influences out of our thought process. For this is what Jesus said. The culmination of the Beatitudes in his blessed statements, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom. If we are trying to over step and avoid being canceled, being persecuted, being maligned, being hated, being unaccepted, being discredited, then you know what? We are not lining ourselves up to what Jesus is saying we need to be so that we may be blessed. So if you are concerned about that, let me just tell you, he's not expecting that from you. He expects us to preach his word. Father, I pray that you would help us. Lord, I pray help me. Lord, I, I just ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would prepare us, that your Holy Spirit would, would convict us, that you would lead us into your plans and your purposes. And Father, that we would shine for you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We've been looking at the Beatitudes and how Jesus is, is turning the world upside down. He is saying some of these most infamous and impactful revolutionary statements in all of his ministry. And these are famous words of Jesus, yet they're the least pursued words of Jesus when we look around the church. When we look around in our day in society, oh, are you kidding me? I got to be poor. I want to be rich. Are you kidding me? I have to be meek. I want to tear. The, I want to show my strength and power. I got to be humble. What, what are you talking about? Thirst and hunger? No, 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 no. I want to be satiated and satisfied and complete and lacking nothing. After all, didn't he say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want a thing. We, we want all of these things. And now he, he builds one thing on top of the other. And as we are living these characteristics and we are modeling the life of Christ, we are following after being a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Christ. We are becoming more made in his image. Thirsting, hungering, meek, mild, uh, you know, makers of peace. 
And it culminates. All these seven beatitudes that have come before are all qualities that we are to pursue and live and model. But now when we get to this eighth beatitude in verse 10, which is expanded in verse 11 and 12, we're really now beyond the place of what we need to do and how we need to behave and how we operate in the world to how the world now engages with us. The results of our character and our actions are now being shown in verse 10 through 12. Blessed are you who are persecuted. So what is this? The word persecute means to be harassed, to be chased, to be pursued. You are being pursued, chased in in a couple of different ways. Blessed are you for being harassed. How many want to sign up today? Come on, look at your wife and says, man, I am blessed. No, don't do that. I am blessed for being harassed. That is just totally up on its head. It is completely opposite to what you would have expected. It is not what people want to sign up for. So what is he talking about here? Blessed are those who are persecuted. All right, so I have a problem in my life. I have a difficulty in my family. I have a difficult situation happening in my neighborhood. Man, Jesus says I'm blessed. Well, let me tell you what being persecuted and the blessing that's associated with it, what it's not. Number one, it is not suffering for dumb decisions. Can you go ahead and say to your neighbor, being dumb is not a blessing. Me switching my you know, phone Pandora station while I'm driving down the road from my worship music to my son's Paw Patrol music and, you know, PJ Mask music as I'm going down the road and then getting distracted after switching the music and seeing flashing lights behind me telling me, pull over on Butler Street. Me doing all of that is not looking at the officer and saying, dude, are you persecuting me because I have my Christian music on? I was putting that on. You've been following me for a while and you saw me switching this stuff over. He looks at me and says, sir, you were operating your vehicle while utilizing your cell phone. And you got, and he said to me, you got two kids in the car. Uh, Officer, I know you're not persecuting me for being righteous right now. You're persecuting me for my stupidity. I did something I should not do. And I was so bummed this last Tuesday. I got a ticket coming to church, staff meeting, because I'm on my phone when I know I shouldn't be on my phone. And then I'm getting irritated at my son because he asked me to switch the music. I could have done that right there with the thing on the dash, and I, I had it, and then now I'm checking email while I'm driving. Why? It's going to wait for me when I get to the office. I I can answer your emails later. I can do and and sign the documents and take care of whatever later down the road. I was being persecuted not for my righteousness because I'm a Christian because he heard the music in the car as he pulled up and, oh, this this guy's all prim and proper. No, he was persecuting me for my stupidity. 
So just because we're suffering because of our bad decisions, that doesn't mean that we are blessed. That just means that we're making a bad choice. Poor performance, you know, when, you, when you're going through your review and your boss, you know, gives you a poor performance on your review because you're talking Bible all the time, it's not that he is over there persecuting you for being a Christian. He's persecuting you for not getting your job done. He's persecuting you because instead of you being over there doing your work, you're over here chatting this person up and that person up and talking about how God was good in church yesterday and today and all the time. And you're interrupting and you're going back and forth and you're like, well, but I'm just sharing my faith. Uh, Excuse me. uh, Can you do your job first? God's called us to be faithful stewards, to be faithful representatives. And so you need to be faithful at your job. Right? Right. There's so many examples. If you have a poor work ethic, that's not persecution. That, that, that's something you need to work out before the Lord. For his word says, do everything unto God. Do everything unto him. Right? So we need to be faithful. Suffering for dumb decisions is not persecution. That's why Peter says in 2 Peter, verse 20, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? I have committed a sin. I have broken the law. I have not fulfilled my obligation. And so now I don't get a prize. I just reap the punishment. When you break the law, when you make a bad decision, when you are not fulfilling the calling that God has placed on your life, the commands that he has given us, when we encounter suffering, that is not persecution, that is punishment. And that's a totally different thing. And we need to go through that and move forward. Now, number two, suffering for contrarian choices or limitations is not persecution. Nowadays, you can go anywhere. You can go to the supermarket, the restaurant, and, you know, when you go to the restaurant, they tell you, is anybody here? They ask you, anybody here have any food allergies before we place our order? And it's on the menu, and there's 17 menus of all different types of dietary restrictions that you can pick from and so many choices. But back in the day, there didn't used to be, for those who are truly 100% allergic to gluten, they didn't have a lot of options. Nowadays, you go everywhere and everything can be gluten-free. Things that don't even have gluten in it by nature, they'll have a gluten-free option so they can sell you something at a higher price and you fall into their bandwagon. It's everywhere. But listen, having few alternatives. Back in the day when, when, when people who were truly allergic, which is actually a very small number. There's a lot of people intolerant, but there's a very small number of people who are truly deathly allergic. They eat gluten, they will die. And back in the day when not every restaurant was asking you and providing you options and not every single food item in the store had alternatives, you know what? Being in the contrarian, outside of the majority position, that suffering through that, enduring through that, that's not persecution. You're just going against the grain and that's a little bit challenging. The majority isn't there. They make more money marketing to the people who are in the majority. Therefore, they're going to market to them and make things easier for them. And so that is just not persecution. That's just reality. 
Unfairness in life, tension, criticism, that does not equate blessedness and persecution, the blessedness that comes from it. Suffering for a broken system, that, that is not persecution. You know, I, I was always amazed when I was talking to my wife. She, she worked in um, social services at some point. She would never share with me details. She just told me something about, like, the, the system as a whole. People would come in for assistance, and, and they're, they're, they're needing housing and, and help and shelter and all that kind of stuff, and, and they have no means, no employment, or they're getting employment, and they're trying to you know, pick up the pieces and save money um, so that they can move their family forward. And then there was this threshold. Although you're getting a subsidized rent, and you're, you're given you know, this allowance to help you pay the difference that you can't pay, they give you a goal to go ahead and save a certain amount of money. But the system is such that once you've saved X amount of money, and I don't know the, the, the number, but it was a very small number. If you look around most places here, when you go to have a new apartment and rent an apartment or a house, you need to give first month, last month, and security deposit. That's a big chunk of money all up front. Well, let me just tell you, the threshold of the system was one that, like, it was way below that. You can't even put first and last month together. But if you've met that threshold in your savings account, now they kick you off the program and say, you're, you, you've, you've saved enough money, you're self-sustainable. Friends, having the system kick you out because the system itself is broken, that's not persecution. That's a broken system. And you're just going through the effects and the limitations of a broken system. And you can't just say, I'm blessed because I'm going through this. No, you're just in a broken system. And you need to pray and work and advocate that the system could be made better and that more services can be in place or that God would open up doors for you that you can get out of that situation. You need to get up and start working or try to advance or figure out something that you could do that is within your power. Everything that is up to you do and you hope and pray and advocate and, and work together that the things that you can't control can change. So persecution is not suffering for dumb decisions or suffering because you're contrarian, you're in the minority, or suffering because you're in a broken system. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus qualifies persecution here. He goes on and he says, look, you want to be blessed you, you follow through with these beatitudes, you're going to come to this place where you are not being harassed for dumb decisions, sinful decisions, broken systems, contrary minority thinking. You're going to be persecuted because of righteousness' sake. Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness sake my translation here nlt says persecuted for doing right can you imagine that you are persecuted for doing the right thing you ever heard the expression no good deed goes unpunished no good deed goes unpunished man i found that out myself i do things for people and uh you know things i did not have to do things that i did not need to do things that i was not on the hook to do and yet god put a conviction in my heart to do it anyways and then they turn around and say well you know what i can't believe that you're not going above and beyond the extra mile for me whoa, whoa hold up I, I went like five miles that you didn't deserve but, but because I'm not going the sixth or seventh or tenth or hundredth mile now with you, all of a sudden you're questioning, what would Jesus do? And I'm not a true Christian. 
Like, hello. I remember times uh, when we as a church made decisions with, with um, you know, people and uh, those decisions, because there was consequence to things, the church said, you know what, we need to separate and there needs to be a break here. I'm thinking of a situation in the daycare a long time ago. And then we carried this person's benefits way past the point where they were working here. And still we did the wrong thing in their eyes. Like, really? That doesn't make sense. But it's okay. No good deed goes unpunished. Jesus says, when you do the right thing, when you're persecuted for my sake, then there's a blessing here. Isn't it interesting that when we look more like Jesus, the world likes us less? When we look more like Jesus, we stand out more. We stand out, we're highlighted before the world. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Second Timothy chapter three. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I don't know if you've experienced this in school, students. Everybody in class has made up their mind that they're going to cheat on the exam or that they're going to get away with something in class. They've made up their mind that, you know, I used to hate this, in, in, especially in Bible school. There was these classes that we would go through, and the teacher would go off on these tangents because students would lead him in the tangents, and he had no self-control to get us back on the syllabus and on the thing. And we would get, so, I'd get irritated. I'm traveling an hour every way to go to school and back, okay? I'm a commuting student. I've left my corporate job. I have no money. I'm working at a pizza place. Kawan, you know where we are. You know, I worked there with you, brother. Uh, you weren't there yet, but I worked before you there. I'm working at this pizza place to make like a hundred bucks a week. Doesn't even cover my gas for the week, but I'm, I'm doing that. Going, and these students are like talking to you. Let's, let's talk to him about bears today because he had a fascination about bears and nothing to do with the scriptures. Nothing to do with, you know, uh, homiletics or whatever the class was. And they would go off on these tangents, and he would just start talking about it. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude, I'm paying money out of my pocket to, to come to this Bible school and learn and be equipped to go, you know, and they just want to occupy time because they don't want to talk about things so that there's not enough things on the test. And if I am to speak up, uh, hey, professor, like, what does this have to do with, you know, what we need to talk about today? Everyone's looking at me like, Brian! Like, come on, man. Like, seriously? Well, just let them talk. Eat up the clock. Milk it. Let's go. But if the class is, you know, all desiring to go one way, the whistleblower stands up and says something, and man, nobody wants you to do the right thing in that moment. You know, when you go to the office and you're at the water cooler, everyone's gossiping about this person and that person and say, you know what, did you see what that boss, the boss did in that meeting? He, what is he thinking? And they start going off and reaming the boss and reaming their colleagues and, and, and just, you know, talking about how they're going to, you know, do this thing or that thing that doesn't really line up to the company policy and doesn't really line up to, you know, morality and ethics. And you know what, you, you, you try to be the one that let's steer the ship in the right direction 
you're, you're not going to be well-received. Go back to the Bible. The very first homicide in the Bible was a homicide that occurred, not because of somebody doing what was wrong. It happened because of someone doing what was right. Cain was jealous of his brother Abel because he was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. Abel brought an offering that was pleasing to the Lord. Cain brought the leftovers of his crops. Cain brought something leftover. Abel brought the first fruits and the best. God received Abel's sacrifice but rejected Cain's and that got under his skin. But Abel was blessed because he did the right thing. But that also cost him. When you experience harassment because you are looking more like me, Jesus says, then shall you be blessed. At 9-11, the day before the weeks before, people who are going to go and meet their fate on that day, if people had this mindset that I need to do the right thing, I may be canceled, I may be discouraged, I may not be welcomed back, but I'm going to say what is true in love. Man, what difference would that have made for some of these people? Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sakes. Somebody brought up to me uh, just recently a, a statement that Joyce Meyer says all the time. Uh, new level, new devil. You go through a new level, you've got a new devil. When you are experiencing favor of God, when you are growing in your relationship with Jesus and things are getting exciting, you're picking up this book and it is coming alive in your spirit because the Holy Spirit is ministering truth to you. When you are putting it into practice and you actually find out, oh wow, if I do this, this stuff works. And you're starting to grow. You're starting to pray. You're starting to read. You're, you're, you're stepping into the calling that Jesus has for you that's been ordained in this book. And now all of a sudden, do you think that the enemy is going to roll out the red carpet for you and say, good job, you faithful Christian. No, he's going to carpet bomb the heck out of that carpet and he's going to keep you from moving into your destiny. You reach a new level in your faith, you're going to meet a new level of opposition. Daniel, when he was promoted, he got met with opposition. Hey, this dude over here who you elevated to a place of prominence and authority, I don't like the fact that he is praying three times a day to his God. And we should tell the king, let's get king. Oh, king, you are an awesome king. You are incredible. You are worthy to be praised. Let's make a law. Let's big make your head so big it will not pass through the door and have everybody worship you, king, because there's 
this man over there doing something that I don't like. He's doing the right thing. He's praising the right God. He is worshiping the living God. He is actually walking his beliefs and modeling his faith. And that is actually showing me a mirror of who I am and what I'm doing wrong and what is not right within me. My thoughts, my intentions, my personality, my pursuits. And you know what? I don't like seeing him because I see inside of me. So you know what, King? Let's put a decree that this man who has been promoted, who has authority, who is growing in his faith, steadfast in his faith, that this man should not be able to continue doing what he's doing. We see it all the time. Joseph is promoted. He is blessed for being faithful, doing the right thing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You're not going to sleep with the master's wife? Okay, let's put out a public campaign all across Egypt and put up the wanted posters because you are a rapist. You have done something you haven't, but we will tell everybody you did. New levels, new devils. When we pursue God, the enemy is going to pursue us with a passion. He's going to come at us. And you know what? I've heard somebody say it this way. If you are not on a collision course with the devil, then maybe you're riding in the same car. If you are not feeling the enemy trying to QB sack you while you're doing the plays, then maybe you are on the same team. If your life does not have persecution in it, then maybe you aren't making enough noise. If you are not being persecuted, reviled, people speaking ill of you, then maybe you are not saying much at all. Maybe there's people who's going to meet their faith when an airplane comes and hits the building that we should be crying out in faith, letting everybody know and every single power, principality, stand at attention because here in this office, here in this place, here in this neighborhood, here in this family is a man or a woman that speaks the truth in love and does not shy away, does not look at what is politically correct, does not care about being canceled, but cares about standing for truth. And when you do that, just get ready because you've made yourself a tall target. There is such a thing when, uh, you know, military men would, would tell you that when they go off and they fight and they're out in, in, about in, 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 in war and stuff and there's snipers that are positioned in all different sorts of places, they look for whatever thing they can find to pick you off. And uh, I know a pastor who was in the military, and he said that he would, you know, there would be men in his platoon that they would wear, they would get these awards, and they would give these awards to them. And you know what? They, they decided, we need to put these things away. Because in that moment, when you're going through, you need to be camouflaged. You need to make yourself small in the sense so that you're not picked off by the enemy. Well, that's a matter of humility. We need to make ourselves humble before the Lord and not elevate ourselves in our ego, make ourselves small so that we're a small target from the enemy, but we need to make ourselves tall and big like David did in the face of persecution and say, I don't care who you're coming at me with, what weapons you've got, I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord, and though I may be small, I'm making myself big because in him I am strong, 
and I will stand in faith believing that he is my Lord. He is my Savior. I am not worthy. I am not deserving. I could never do this on my own, but I am humble enough, small, big enough in God, trusting him in faith, and I will move forward, and I don't care what enemy is in my way because I'm coming in the name of God. Church, we need to wake up and speak up and step out into this community and into this world because there is coming a day, right? We're not going to be just ridiculed because we have a Jesus sticker on our bumper sticker. There is coming a day. It's promised in the Bible. Just read it, okay? I pray to Jesus that we don't see the fullness of what the tribulation is going to be. And depending on your theology, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, you know, that means tribulation. We are going to go up in the rapture and accept Jesus and be with Jesus, and it's going to be incredible and awesome. But you know what? Before that happens, there will be persecution on the earth, and the church will have to actually live what they say they believe. We need to press in and realize that if we do the right thing, we shall be persecuted. Not for doing the wrong things. Yes, you will be punished for doing the wrong things. You make a bad choice, a business blunder, you will be punished by the markets. You will be punished by what is happening with the consequences of your decision. But when you do the right thing for Christ, you will experience opposition. Job, Jesus looked at Satan and says, have you seen my servant? It was all because he was doing the right thing. It wasn't because he was doing the wrong thing. He was doing everything. He, he would worship God. He would make sacrifices to God to atone for his sins. This is before the, you know, the, the temple, before the plan of salvation in Jesus Christ. Here is a man that has so inclined his heart to the Lord that he wants to do everything that is right, upright spirit, upright heart. He wants to make sacrifices not just for himself, but for his children too. In order to just, Lord, please be merciful towards my children because we may be doing things that are wrong. The enemy shows up. Yeah, you've blessed them all. You've blessed them. So he's going to do all these incredible faithful things towards you. He encounters persecution for doing the right thing because the reality is there is a spiritual warfare happening all around us. There is war happening for your family. There is war happening for your marriage. There is war happening for you to remain integrous at your job site. There is a war in the heavenlies happening for you to cut corners at school and plagiarize and do this, that, or whatever. There are spiritual wars happening for your future because you have aligned yourself with Christ. We're going to face this in several aspects of our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our social lives. You know, think about those who experience Jesus Christ, encounter him in the home, and a husband accepts Jesus, but the spouse does not. A child comes to Christ, but the parents are obstinately resisting. And people are beaten, disowned, rejected, tossed out, some of them even murdered for their faith. 
In the old times, in the Bible times, they used to worship their gods by going to their temples and sacrificing meals and, and giving it to their idols. You know, what, what could the Christians do in that moment? The scriptures tells us don't, don't eat food sacrificed to idols. So automatically, the Christian has to be separate from the world, even in his context. You know, when, you, when people come over your house, I pray to God that they're seeing you pray and thank the Lord before you eat. And not just a little prayer like, you know, I get, I get you know, harassed all the time because sometimes I go a little longer uh, and everybody's hungry and my wife is laughing in the back over there, you know, because I, I need to recognize this moment. God has given us this and this is a moment that I can actually give him glory and I can introduce somebody else to the provision of God and, and who is the provider and I can speak to when we have birthdays, we, we Pray to God, you know, before we eat. Lord, bless this life and, and pour out your spirit. Accomplish your purpose. And do. So when someone comes over your home, you're about to have a meal. In the same way that you pray. And they have to grapple with that. When we live in the world socially and the world is giving themselves over to this cause and that cause, this idol and that idol, this situation and that situation that does not align with the word, then we have to make a choice. Are we going to go with the flow or go against the grain? We're going to experience persecution in that moment. How many of you have ever watched that movie, Courageous? There's a scene in that movie where, with, uh, I think it's Hector or Javier, I forget his name. But um, anyways, this, this man with kids and, and struggling carpenter, and he, he gets this position, and, and then the bosses invite him over, and they're trying to ask him you know, behind the scenes, hey, we're going to have a shipment come in, and all these things are going to have to happen. And you know what? I need you to say on the reports that one shipment less showed up, that these boxes or whatever didn't show up. And basically, I need you to lie on the report. And he's conflicted. They say, I want you to take the night and think, I believe, right? So he goes home. He, he prays over it. He thinks about it. He talks to his wife, and then he shows up. You don't know what he's going to do. And in front of the bosses, when, when they're like, all right, did you give that some thought? He tells them, I did, and you know what, honestly, um, I think that you need to take this job and give it to somebody else because I won't be able to do this. And obviously, it's a Christian movie, and so everyone's going to feel good at the end of it, right? And so they say, you know what, we, this was actually a test, and we were wanting to see if you were going to be you know, a man of integrity, and you were going to keep your word and be faithful and true. And so actually, the job is yours, and we want to give you a promotion and the salary and blah, 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 blah. But you know what the reality is? How many times will we encounter opportunities in the workplace to fudge the numbers, to skew the details? To not live out the values that he's called us to live. To not call out sin for what it is. We're going to encounter this all over the place. But I want to leave you with this. Jesus gives us a promise if we are to be faithful. Doing what is right. He gives us the very same promise that he gave the very first beatitude. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. It's an inclusio. Everything that's in the beginning is in the end, and everything in between is yours. Yours is the kingdom because you are living right. When you face persecution because you're living your life the way Jesus called you to live, can you remember this with me? Turn to your neighbor and say this. Remember this. 
They're persecuting Jesus, not you. We got to learn to let things go. We got to learn to say, you know what? This is not personal. They don't like Christ in me. And if the world persecuted Jesus, who am I to think that they won't persecute me for following him? If they persecuted, as he's going to say in verse 12, the very prophets before you, why will they not persecute you? In this world, we will have persecution, but be of good cheer. We will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. We will overcome, for he has overcome. We need to just move forward and say, it's not personal, and I'm not going to get dirty and start playing the enemy's games. Some of us, we get persecuted and say, all right, let me, let me put on my boxing gloves and get in the ring, and the enemy, come here, let me show you what I can do. I'll square up with you. And you start going ahead and realizing that you are not fighting the real enemy. You're fighting your neighbor when you should be fighting Satan. You're fighting your partner and your spouse when you should be fighting the powers and principalities of this world. You're fighting the wrong enemy when you're looking at your child and being so furious because God is not putting them in your life and making them the enemy. The enemy is inciting something within their sin nature to get you off track for doing what is right. Don't get in the ring and start playing dirty. Say, you know what? They're persecuting Jesus, and I'm not going to get in the ring. I'm going to let him fight for me. For Jesus knows how to fight better. He's a good keeper of records. If you look with me in in 2 Thessalonians, I invite the worship team to come on up. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Dear brothers, verse 3, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Hallelujah. In the midst of opposition and doing what is right and having some squabbles and some issues, they are doing what is right. They are growing and flourishing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships that you are suffering. And God will use persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. I don't got enough funds to pay everybody back on the persecution that they've made my way. But he who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he who keeps every record, he who knows every intent of the heart, who can sift through the words and the motivations, who can cut through to the very spirit of man, oh, he knows, and he can, and he will. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Verse 11, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because the way you live and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of his grace. There's a pastor in China 
Wang Yi. Although he lives in a communist nation where the church is not able to thrive and move forward openly, it is thriving, by the way, underground. It is thriving because people are still standing up for the faith and being persecuted no matter what. He is a man who said, you know what? I am done with this whole thing about being underground. I am going to have my services out in public. They rented space. They have, you know, daycares and they run programs for the community and they are out in public. He said this, I feel the bigger risk is being underground. We won't have a free attitude if we don't act free. If we don't act free, we won't have a free attitude. Wow, isn't that a, interesting? A basic attitude of a Christian is to be free. But you can't act free if you think you're a criminal. Some of us are thinking we're criminals. Some of us are not stepping out into the freedom of God and actually speaking what his truth says but we act in this society as if we are the wrong people the criminals that can't say the truth i was talking to a teacher who's in framingham public schools and she's like i can't even correct the students on based on modesty with their dress code my wife said the same thing a girl can come to school with a lingerie bra and the teacher can't say anything a kid can come in with his pants down to his knees showing everything about his curves and she can't say a thing. And if you do, you're treated like a criminal. Are you, like, are you kidding me? So we try to walk the path of being open, this pastor said. And he did. He walked the path in good faith until it became impassable. He walked the path openly before his communist com country, before his community, and he would have his church services until the day that they came in 2018 and they sentenced him to nine years in prison for being a pastor openly in China, for having a church. Now that he's in jail, He's been able to talk to his wife and to others and encourage the church. And look at what he said to his wife one day as he's contemplating his arrest. Honey, I'm still a missionary. And you are still a minister's wife. The gospel was our life yesterday. And it will be our life tomorrow. This is because the one who called us is the God of yesterday and the God of tomorrow. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for my name's sake. Blessed are you when people insult you. Blessed are you when they revile you to your face or behind your back. Blessed are you when you are actually experiencing their hands of punishment, imprisonment, and martyrdom. Blessed are you, why? Because you are ringing up your rewards in heaven. Jesus, of all the Beatitudes, goes and elaborates, verse 11, Matthew 5. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Come on, somebody, be happy about it. For great 
rewards awaits you in heaven every time you are persecuted for righteousness cha-ching every time someone speaks ill of you cha-ching every time somebody mocks you for your faith there is another crown another jewel being added cha-ching to your account there is another reward being given to you in God's kingdom Oh, I can't say anything because I'll be canceled. I won't be invited back here. Cha-ching! I can't say a thing because I will be kicked out of the school committee board. Cha-ching! I can't say anything because my spouse will say, Oh, here she comes again saying this Jesus stuff. Cha-ching! We got to start saving up some rewards in heaven. Because... The greatest thing that will be your legacy when you're there is not going to be the jewels and the crowns that you're going to just say, Jesus, right here, it's yours. It's going to be, I got, I got this one for you, Jesus. I, I spoke your truth, God, and, and look, she's here and her family is here. God, I spoke your truth when it wasn't right for me to say it. And they told me in the HR department I couldn't speak it at work. And now, look, Lord, her grandma and her son and her daughter and her niece and her nephew is here. We're worshiping together, God, because I was proud enough. I was bold enough. I was convicted enough to be canceled here on earth that I would be professed before the Father here in heaven. And they are with us this is my legacy God this is my sacrifice unto you